Hi, I'm Life Coach Mama, a life coach for moms who want to find more joy and more peace in their marriage and in their parenting. My husband and I have eight kids. We love having a big family and often hear the phrase, you've got your hands full. Come and join me as I interview moms of all ages and in all stages from around the world. Be encouraged, find inspiration and confidence that you can handle another kid. And if this is a topic that interests you, please check out my book, Have Another Kid Without Losing It. Available for purchase today on Amazon by Lauren Laboda. All right, friends, today I have my friend Laura. My good friend Laura and I have known each other for 11 or 12 years. It's been a while. We're not even sure. (laughs) 12 and a half at least. I did an adoption workshop that I put on and we both adopted older children at the same time from different countries. So not adoption related, just happened to be that we were working on it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Anyways, at that time, your youngest was the same age as my oldest because mm-hmm. I hadn't adopted Mario yet. So Nina and Gianna. Gianna are the same age. And I asked Laura to come and thanks Laura. I appreciate your time because thanks. I really want her to share her story. Uh, she does have a big family, uh, but specifically about her child who has special needs. So she is going to tell the story of Connor. And uh, before we get into that, why don't you just tell me um, your husband's name, your kids' names, and maybe ages before we get into Connor's story. Okay. So my husband, <clears throat> excuse me, my husband is Sam. My oldest is Connor. He's 24. Rafe is going to be 22 soon. <clears throat> Gabrielle is going to be 18 this month Ooh. in April. <laughs> Marina is 17. Michael is 15. Gianna is 13 and Genevieve is eight. Wow. Yeah. I guess I never really noticed how many teenagers you well, have. Well, now that when John, you say she, it like. I know. Gianna just turned 13 at the end of March. So now we have. All these teens. Genevieve is the only one not a teenager or adult. Yeah. And she looks so good. This should be a video podcast because everyone thinks we're the same age. Actually, I think they think you're younger. I appreciate that, but I don't think <laughs> so. Not- you're going to have technically three adults. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So why don't you just tell the story of Connor's birth mm-hmm. and kind of all that okay. happened with Connor. All right. So Connor was my first, um, and I was pregnant when my <laughs> husband, Sam was still in chiropractic school down in outside of Atlanta. So, uh, we were planning a home birth. And then Connor, I started going into labor a little earlier, four and a half weeks early. So the midwife wanted us to go to hospital, but what we didn't know at the time was that I have very fast labor. So <laughs> Connor ended up crowning and Sam was the only one home. We had called 911 cause our midwife was stuck in traffic and <laughs> Atlanta traffic. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Tuesday morning and the midwife is on her way, but she's stuck in traffic and the paramedics arrive and um it was just a very chaotic kind of moment and then Mm. the midwife got there 
literally minutes before Connor was born. And so they, they, the paramedics let her take over and she helped yeah. Connor mm -hmm. enter into the world. And, um, at the moment, at that time, we didn't know there was anything wrong. And we had a medical doctor as our backup and she was on the phone with us. And she said, you don't have to go to the hospital if everybody looks fine, if baby and mom are fine. So we chose to stay home, not transport with the, um, squad. Mm -hmm. And then as the midwife was doing her check on Connor, she realized he had a couple birth defects that mm -hmm. required us to go straight to the children's hospital, directly mm -hmm. to the children's hospital in Atlanta. So we went, um, this was in 1997. So we took him directly to Scottish Rite Children's in Atlanta. <clears throat> and um, at the time he was still, he, had, he was calm and he, was, he wasn't in distress or anything. Um, how they handled him coming through the ER probably put him into some stress that affected things later on. But um, that day they had to do a, a give him a colostomy and they had to close up a little um, emphalocele, which is his tummy, had a little hole in it. So mm -hmm. they did that. Um, and the plan, the surgeon said, you know, he, Connor was born with what's called an imperfect anus. So his rectum didn't form all the way to the surface. So mm -hmm. The procedure at the time was to give a colostomy, the child a colostomy, and then later on, when they got older, like six or twelve months, they would um, repair it. So that was the plan. However, we didn't know. They never could. They could never explain why, but he didn't do well after his surgery the first day, and so mm -hmm. he was born on a Tuesday. And by Friday morning, they were telling us that he was. Not he was the surgeon basically took us to the tiny little room and said he's dying and we don't know why and mm. I don't I want to go in and do an exploratory surgery mm. and um the anesthesiologist said he's too critical if you do the surgery he's gonna die and the surgeon oh, said if gosh. I don't go in and explore I feel like we're just gonna watch him die oh. so we had to choose between either doing something or not mm. so we chose to do the exploratory surgery. Mm -hmm. My mom had flown down the day he was born. So she was with us and she's mm -hmm. the one that actually said, you need to baptize him because he had, mm -hmm. hadn't been baptized yet. So mm -hmm. Sam baptized him mm -hmm. and um, gave him an adjustment, his chiropractic adjustment mm -hmm. as well. And then he went into surgery <laughs> and they couldn't even take him to the OR because he was too critical. Mm -hmm. So they did it like in a little crash room mm -hmm. in the NICU. And um, they didn't find anything else wrong um they found no reason for why he wasn't doing well one of the things that happened at birth was that he he his cord snapped and when the paramedics clamped the cord clamp it, he had bowel coming out as well they didn't know there was a hole there mm. so they thought maybe there was still another piece of bowel that was damaged but they never found they didn't find anything wrong they just he just started improving slowly like he came out a little better than he went in which was the, the surgeon was surprised about. So, um, he counter was in, I think 41 days, the first, that first time, because mm. even though he, he came out of that surgery a little better, he had a lot of setbacks and it was a slow process. And mm -hmm. in the meantime, the neonatologist that was on when he first came in was also a geneticist and he saw markers that made him think there was a genetic issue going on. So mm. the in that first stretch of being in the hospital, they also did genetic testing on mm -hmm. him and found out he has a chromosome deletion on his third chromosome. Okay. So there's no name for it. Like mm. 
trisomy 21 is down syndrome. Okay. Like there's certain ones that are common. There, there mm -hmm. could be a name. There's no, sure. there's nothing. It's just an unusual glitch. They don't know why it happened. Uh -huh. There's nothing that we carry that could pass on to any of the other kids. Yeah. It's just one of those yeah. things. So, um, so they couldn't tell us what to expect, except that he would probably have delays. Um, and he had a lot of, he had a lot of setbacks. It was kind of like two steps forward, one step back in the hospital. Um, he ended up having nine surgeries his first year of life. Wow. But after when he was, so he was born September, we moved back to Ohio in December because Sam graduated from chiropractic school. Mm -hmm. And so we moved back and moved home with my mom because she could help us with a lot of the medical stuff. Um, so, and she's a retired nurse, although she wasn't even retired at the time. She was still working. <laughs> so she was helpful. Very, very helpful. Yeah. From that perspective, it's amazing that you weren't scared. I mean, I guess you could have been scared, but you still had more kids. Yeah. Like just because not necessarily the special needs, but the the delivery sounded traumatic. It was traumatic. Yeah. Uh -huh. It was like baptism by fire for the first baby. And then I think too, the fair question is like how much Connor needs, like, can I take care of another baby? Yeah. So how did you come about deciding to have more? Um, or was that even? Like well, I was really, we, I think we were naive the first. So to have our, when we, we had Rafe as our second one, mm -hmm. I didn't think that you would, like, I thought, what are the odds you're going to have another child with special needs? Uh-huh. And then. Which is true. And it wasn't genetic. <laughs> right. It wasn't genetic. Uh -huh. and, but then I met people over the years that have had separate genetic issues within their family. Oh, gosh. So then I realized, oh, it could happen. <laughs> I would say well, Sam and I were not super strong in our faith as we were going into our marriage and mm -hmm. young adulthood, mid adulthood, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I credit Connor's birth as one of the two things that really helped my reversion back to the faith and get stronger mm -hmm. in faith. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and it's a long road to, to learn this, but I have learned that God provides what Connor needs when he needs it. Mm -hmm. And even the, even now I still struggle sometimes because we, you know, there's always challenges and things yeah. that feel like sometimes we're not getting what we need for him. But he always, when I look back, you can see, I can really see a lot of um, things in place before he was even born, mm -hmm. before we even talked about having kids even. Um, programs for working with kids with special needs. Right. And one's called the Sunrise Program that we did a lot, got a lot of training on with mm -hmm. when we were, when Connor was younger. Okay. And um, I remember, so I was in a bookstore in the Atlanta area way before Connor was even, I was not even pregnant or anything. Yeah. And I saw a flyer for the Sunrise Program. And I remember asking the person at the counter, like what it was about. And they are like, oh, it's about, it, it's a program for kids with autism and oh. it had nothing to do with me. So I was just like, eh. but I remember like, it was still there. Uh -huh. And so several years you know, later and Connor's born and we're back in Ohio and we're trying to figure out, I just remembered that. And I, I looked it up online and yeah. um, they run programs for families. They, they, they teach families and also professionals, just a different approach. And it's a very <clears throat> unique approach because you change kind of how you think about is a gift mm. and you meet them where they are. And, and it was based on kids with autism, but you can apply it to sure. anybody with mm -hmm. a special need. You can just apply it in your life. Like they've written a book called happiness is a choice. And it's a, a lot of it is you work on what your own beliefs are before you mm. even work with your child mm. and, and you kind of can, and it's really, we do have a cho choice on how we react to 
right. things that are in our I life. think I need that book. It's a good book. It's sometimes challenging <laughs> because, uh, yeah. It, yeah. that's with like anything, you know. Right. And that's, just cleaning up the dog's poop in the right. playroom. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't have to yes. make this the end of the world. Right. You can choose to be happy. <laughs> In, the, in this process, we um, got to know one of the teachers pretty well, and he clicked with our with Sam and me, and mm -hmm. we really worked well together. And as we're talking to him, we find out he had lived in Atlanta the same time period we did. And then we, we learned that he would go to bookstores and put up flyers for the different classes they had. And so he, he was the one that was putting that information out in Atlanta um, at the time that I saw it. Wow. Yeah, with, and had no idea that it would come back and make a difference later on so that's so neat yeah so that i mean that's just one little tiny thing of how god can provide mm -hmm. what what does life look like a day-to-day -day life daily i should say daily routine for him now and what does he yeah. need well i mean we so we chose to homeschool early on because i wanted at first it was just connor and rafe and i wanted them to have a strong connection as much as possible connor's yeah. Connor is cognitively probably at only about 18 month, two year. He's nonverbal. So it's limited as far as um, his communication and his ability to interact. Right. So we wanted to have this time and the space. I mean, there are other aspects of homeschooling we liked, but. Right. Um, and then as the other kids came along, it just. Um, I mean, out. to have a strong, cohesive family. Yeah. And so that's what we tried to do. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there are things we can't do with, because of it, we're limited with Connor. Like we can't yeah. do things as spur of the moment as some families and we can't mm -hmm. go on. Like, so when we wanted to go to Hocking Hills for a long weekend, you can't take Connor because mm. you can't really hike and you can't, it, those aren't handicapped accessible caves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just have to find other, someone to stay with them. And um, that's good though. Cause I don't think people with typical kids think about that. Right. So, and then also he's sensitive. I know, cause I know you guys to sounds. Sounds right. So yeah, like even like so going if you to give like example. baseball game, you mm -hmm. can't go to like a baseball game. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about this. And we went to one of the um, minor league games many years ago. Cause mm -hmm. there's lots of different organizations that are so generous with tickets for right. in the special needs community and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if we take Connor and all, even just the, the music and the loudspeaker, yeah, yeah does, he can't handle that. So. And you said he was one of the driving forces bringing you back to your faith. So these past 24 years, you've been very active. So you guys go to church more than even once a week. And for, yeah. for him, church, if it's the speaker. Yeah, we can't take him. He just doesn't go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but People probably don't think of that either. You right. Know? Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, and we've been blessed with the fact that my mom is yeah. um, available Well, now you have a help. bunch of adults. And now I have <laughs> more adults to help. Yeah. <laughs> right. So in a way, it's getting easier. It is. Some parts are hard. Right. Some mm. parts are still hard because you, there's always, what I also well, learned is bigger. Yeah. Physically. So it's not like the eight year old can pick them up. Right. <laughs> All right. The physical side of it, but there's also the emotional part of you. You never, you never get over grieving the mm. different because you, you reach different milestones. Yeah. So when your child that's 16 with disabilities, you know, other kids might, your other kids are getting their driver's license right. or they're going to go to dances or they're going to uh, do like that kind yeah. of stuff. And you're never, but he did have a beer, right? No, he oh, did he not. Can't. <laughs> no, he did not. Yeah, um, on his 21st birthday, we had a beer for him. Oh, you had a beer for him? Yes. Sam and I drank a beer for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's always there's always so now when our kids are going to start getting married right and it'll still be like you, you have to just recognize that it's never a one and done or it's not you never get to the point where there's not something that you grieve because there's stuff that you're going to grieve but it's okay if you grieve so you know they they used the term developmentally delayed and so the first few years i thought he was going to catch up because they don't you don't yeah. really understand and he was my first i mean i had a they weren't necessarily super clear i guess and, and it, i mean i don't know so he was like two and a half and we went to a um, we were back in ohio and we went to a developmental pediatrician in the area mm -hmm. and i remember him saying to me like i don't know i must have been i must have sounded like he probably was like oh this poor mom i don't know i don't even remember what i was saying and she, uh -huh. he's, he looked at me and he's like do you do realize like he this is the first time we heard mental retardation as a term and it still was one that they used which i which is fine i don't i don't get offended by it that was the term but he said you realize that he he's got mental retardation and it's going to be a lifelong care mm -hmm. he's going to need lifelong care and like that was the first time i'd heard that uh. so then i i was like devastated on one level and then mm -hmm. i realized i wasn't okay with it and i just gave myself like time like i'm like all right i am not okay with that and mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with this. So I just, I just was like mad or sad mm -hmm. and let it go. And I just gave myself the time, mm -hmm. like however many months it took before I realized, okay, then, then that's what, that's what it is. And you, mm -hmm. then you go on. So, <laughs> but developmentally delay doesn't mean you're going to eventually catch up. Right. It, it, it's mentally retarded or it's intellectual cognitive disability. I mean, they changed the terms, but mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. it's all mm. the same but i gave myself that permission to just not be okay good and that helped yeah mm. it did and so and then when i was pregnant with connor i picked up a book because we were not real strong in our faith we weren't even going to mass regularly back mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. like when my mom would come visit that's when i would go to mass <laughs> and um i got a book about reading uh about praying for your um unborn baby and praying that your child would be perfectly formed. And I literally was praying that kind of a prayer. And then Connor was born. And I'm like, what do I do with that? Like, mm. I got the exact opposite of what I was praying for. Mm. So it took a lot, a long time to um, come to terms with like, you can't, you can't just put God in a box and say, well, this is what I asked for and you didn't give me that. So either yeah. you're not real or you don't care or right. adaptive. Um, activities that most communities mm. have baseball they have he's done swimming they have soccer mm. um, there's never just a, a one plate like one website or one source that says these are the services like you mm -hmm. have to dig or you have to know other people I'm struggling to find him dental care now and I've been looking for six months to find mm. someone that will help him get the dental mm -hmm. work he needs done under mm -hmm. sedation mm -hmm. with Medicaid as his insurance mm. and we finally found someone and i don't know why it took so long mm -hmm. like there's like you just have to keep asking and pushing i guess you have to really just be resourceful and persevere and persistent mm -hmm. yeah yeah well you're you're both of those things so. yeah only because i've learned to be well yeah I god knew what learn. he was doing so gave connor to you heard a beautiful story and got a lot of really good information and I'm sure it'll bless a lot of people. It goes along with the podcast very well. So well, thank, you. thank you for your time. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week with another interview. So thanks, Laura.